You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Thursday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Balls, your team every day. I'm your host, Eric Kane, and today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. At Locked On Vols on Twitter, at underscore Kaner on Twitter, the link in both of those bios. If you're a new listener to the podcast, if you click on that link, you will find so many different listening options uh, for this podcast. It's done weekly, or every weekday morning, rather, when you wake up at your Tennessee Volunteers podcast. We talk 90% football on this podcast. That's my passion. That's your passion. But... I'm milking everything I can out of this top five baseball team. If we're not talking baseball on the Hill right now, then we never will. We're going to have Ben McKee stop by and really get into a detailed conversation on what makes this team go. Of course, Tony Vitello questions. um, Some weaknesses on this team heading into postseason that might be um, might be uh, glaring when you get into different stages of the postseason. <laughs> I asked Ben, you know, explain exactly the format for Hoover to the regionals to the super regionals, and um, a detailed conversation. I stretched it out over two segments because I had I had a lot to ask him, and he brings a whole lot to the table. So a lot of baseball talk again here in segments two and three on Locked On Balls. But again, let's get our football fixed in segment number one. CBS Sports Tom Fernelli ranked the top sixty-five. Uh, Power 5 football coaches coming into the 2021 season. And Josh Heupel coming in at number 52. I will uh, give you my opinion on that. Tell you who's ranked ahead of him, who's ranked behind him, specifically in the SEC. And um, that's going to be our conversation. It is list season. Certainly, we're going to be doing, you know, going over some lists, <laughs> you know, throughout the offseason. That's just kind of part of it. Um, but nonetheless, that's uh, that's what we're going to get into here in segment number one. Do want to say I'm trying to uh, get in touch with uh, some representatives from the Volunteers and uh, talk a little bit about that. Uh, the roster was announced earlier this week, and I think you guys really enjoy it. If I can, if I can swing uh, who I'm trying to get to, to come onto the show and talk to, and of course we can always get Ron. Ron's our friend. Um, he's come on the show a couple times, but we'll talk some volunteers on tomorrow's show. But without further ado, let's get into it. This is a segment number one of a Thursday show. So CBS CBS Sports, Tom Fernelli released the top five, top 65 Power 5 head football coaches entering the 2021 season. No surprise, your top four looks like this. Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day. All right, some can make the case Ryan Day should jump Lincoln Riley, but none, nonetheless, that's your top four. You got Brian Kelly of Notre Dame, Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M at six, Kirby of Georgia at seven, Pat Fitzgerald at eight, Matt Campbell at nine, and then Dan Mullen at number 10. Um, here's where the conversation begins. How much do we put weight on national championships? And I, and, and I know A&M had a pretty solid year last year, but boy, Jimbo, he's playing in the toughest division of football. I get that, but eight and a half million dollars a year to finished third or fourth in the SEC West. He finished second last year, I get that, or he finished up there. Um, had a real case, at least in his eyes, for the college football playoff. But Jimbo checks in at number six. Brian Kelly's probably a little bit overrated, if we're being honest right now, at five. Uh, Kirby's at seven. Pat Fitzgerald, maybe a little steep for him at eight. Matt Campbell at nine, that's probably solid. Dan Mullen at ten. I think Dan Mullen's just waiting to break through, but having to reload this year. And then comes in Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron, national championship winning head coach two years ago and slides from four to 11 per CBS Sports' preseason rankings in, in terms of these coaches. So you got Ed Orgeron there at 11. Mac Brown, who, man, it's got 
Carolina rolling once again at, at 12, checking in. James Franklin slides to 13 because of the disappointment in 2020, but still a top 15 coach. Kyle Whittingham of Utah checks in at 14. Mike Gundy's at 15. So you continue to move on. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read out every single coach, guys. Um, you know, just because I, I don't have the time, but I, I will give you some noteworthy ones. Jim Harbaugh's at 23. Guess which coach from the SEC it checks in at number 22. Mark Stoops. You guys know I'm a big Mark Stoops guy. I respect the heck out of him. I think he's a great coach. He's done more, and we talked about this on the radio show on the Sports Animal, uh, the starting lineup on I think it was Tuesday. Like we were comparing Tennessee's roster talent wise to the rest of the SEC East. We all agree that it's Georgia, then it's Florida, and then, you know, Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee come in that that three way tie in the middle, and then it's South Carolina and Vanderbilt at the end. And Kentucky probably has a more, this will rub some people the wrong way, I understand, but Kentucky might have a more talented roster right now than Tennessee, but you wouldn't switch places with Kentucky. Uh, because Tennessee's, you know, let me tell you, Kentucky's got a more developed roster right now, okay? Tennessee's got more talent. Kentucky's got more developed, and that's a credit to Mark Stoops. Um, he's done more with less, and it's it's been very, very impressive. Now, you would not switch places because Tennessee's got more potential because Tennessee's got better players. It out-recruits Kentucky year in and year out, out-recruits Missouri, you know, out-recruits you know, all those teams, uh, most of those teams in the SEC. But development's been a problem here on the Hill. But nonetheless, Mark Stoops saying all that checks in at number 22. And uh, it might be a little steep for him, but I do think he's a good coach. Uh, David Shaw's at 24, P.J. Flex at 25. We move on outside the top 25. And and here's where some things are getting interesting. I mean, again, I didn't bury the lead. Josh Heupel checks in at 52 um, in terms of – ooh, he checks in right in front of Jeff Brom. That's funny, at 53. But in terms of the SEC, you have Josh Heupel – that, that comes in in front of uh, Clark Lee, 63 of Vanderbilt, first-year head coach over there, and then Shane Beamer, who concludes the rankings at 65 uh, for South Carolina. Didn't think he'd be much higher, but still, here is Tom Fernelli's little write-up on Josh Heupel. Uh, unlike the other first-year Power 5 coaches we've discussed, Heupel comes to Knoxville with head coaching experience. He went 28-8 at UCF with a conference title that boosted his stock a bit with our voters. Of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Heupel's first season at UCF was his best and the record worst in each passing season. Heupel is also inheriting a very different situation at Tennessee uh, than the one he found at UCF. That is very, very true. So that is Fernelli's little spat on Josh Heupel. But we go down. Josh Heupel comes in two spots behind Sam Pittman at Arkansas at 50. Uh, I think Sam Pittman did a fine job in 2020, though he only won three you know, three games, but one of those games coming up against Tennessee. Clay Helton's at 48. Steve, Sar- Steve Sarkeesian of Texas is at 46. Let's get into the highlights here as we conclude this segment. Number one, Lance Leipoid going from Buffalo to Kansas now. First year head coach taking over from Les Miles at 35. Greg Schiano of Rutgers, 34. That's interesting, to say the least. Mike Leach is at 33. That's probably about right. Um, Lane Kiffin's at 30. You have Brian Horson at 27. Brian Horson coming from Boise State, where he had a 69 and 19 record in seven seasons. Solid. Now, stepping into the bigger situation here, SEC West, Auburn, I get it. I think Brian Horson's a fine coach. 27 might be a little steep, but nonetheless, I don't hate it. But Lane Kiffin at 30. And maybe one day we'll spend an entire segment on this, but 
Lane Kiffin, I've talked about on the radio, maybe a little bit on this podcast. And guys, if you disagree, please, by all means, open dialogue here. You guys know my information on social. Lane Kiffin, great offensive mind, great instructor of the quarterback position. He does nothing for me as a head coach. I mean, he really doesn't. He failed at USC. He was exciting here at Tennessee, but boy, the NCAA was coming. Failed at the Oakland Raiders. Okay, was nice at FAU. He he did a good job there, but he had two. He had he had a really bad season, sandwiched around two pretty good seasons. As an offense coordinator at Alabama, with all the fresh toys to play with, look what he did. Offensive coordinator at USC, with all the fresh toys to play with, look what he did. He knows how to coach, but to be a head coach, I most overrated head coach. One of the most overrated head coach, certainly in the SEC, but in college football, is Lane Kiffin. Again, don't hear me wrong. Great coach in terms of coaching offense, coaching quarterbacks. I think he's one of the more overrated head coaches in all of football. And so that's just my opinion. But Lane Kiffin checks in at 30. So uh, those were a couple of, you know, just just some of these uh, coaches from around the SEC. Uh, Again, this is CBS Sports Top 65 uh, ranking, uh, you know, coaches 1 through 65 in the Power 5 level. And Josh Heupel, Tennessee, checks in at number 52. So we will talk baseball coming up. We'll talk volunteers on Friday. We'll talk more football on Friday. Five Star Friday is coming up, so don't forget about that. But first, let me tell you about my friends at Rock Auto. RockAuto.com, family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com right now. Check for the uh, auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oils, even new carpets. Whether it's for your class or your daily driver, you can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate through. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Guys, best of all, the prices at rockauto.com always reliably low. The same for the, for the professionals and the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, your truck, right locked on. And how did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Go back in there to a Thursday. Locked On Balls, a big uh, baseball series coming up tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday to conclude the regular season for Tennessee, a top five-ranked baseball team. And you got on my buddy from Rivals.com, VolQuest, and of course the Swain event, Ben McKee. Ben, what's up, brother? What's up, Eric? How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, dude. All right. So, you know, we've we've chatted a couple of times about Tennessee baseball and of course football and basketball in this podcast the last couple of months. But you know, baseball consistently is, you know, it's it's the real deal, man. And I listened to the Volquest podcast, obviously, uh, a couple of days ago, and you said what you learned from the Arkansas series was that Tennessee could win a national championship. Obviously, there are some factors that go into anything like that, but expand on that if you would, man. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't place money on Tennessee to necessarily win a national championship, um, but at the right odds, I might. If if the the odds are perfect, I would put money on Tennessee to win a, a national championship. And I know I kind of contradicted myself there. I guess I I should explain myself a little bit bit better. I wouldn't consider them the favorites, uh, is what I was alluding to. But if the odds are, are good, I think you could have sneaky odds for Tennessee to win a national championship. Uh, not the front runner by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, this team is talented. This team can compete with anybody. This team can beat anybody. And we saw that this weekend. We've seen it throughout the season. Not only did Tennessee beat number one Arkansas this weekend, and yes, it was only one game that Tennessee won, but Arkansas won that series 16-15 to and could have gone in Tennessee's favor just as well as it did in, in Arkansas's favor. You always hear that baseball is a game of inches, and I thought that that was on full display this past weekend. Uh, Arkansas caught several breaks that nearly went Tennessee's way. And if, if it does go Tennessee's way, then Tennessee wins uh, wins that series. So you've seen them beat Arkansas. You've, you've seen them beat Vanderbilt. Uh, you've seen them go on the road uh, and win games. And there's some teams on the schedule this year uh, that are down compared to what they usually are. Uh, LSU, Texas A&M. Uh, Florida was a preseason ranked number one team, and and Tennessee handled all of those teams. So uh, I think this team can can beat anybody anywhere. So uh, I, I it would not surprise me at all if Tennessee makes it to Omaha. It's a game of inches, of course. Uh, you got to be swinging the bat well. Um, you know, any team can get hot, uh, any stretch of the imagination. You got to have a pitcher. Uh, you got to have good pitching. I think, and, and this is something you also pointed out on the podcast, Ben. The, the glaring weakness, or I guess I should say, if Tennessee gets this going with everything else it's got going right now, then the confidence level you know raises in terms of making a, making a deep run in the postseason. It would be the bullpen. What's Tennessee's bullpen situation right now, Ben? It's, it's improving, I think. Uh, it, it's, it's a good bullpen. I, I don't think it's a, a great bullpen. I don't think it's a bad bullpen either. I think it's anywhere from above average to good, just depending on the weekend. They're in the middle of the conference schedule. You saw guys like Sean Hunley and Redmond Walsh hit a hit a rough patch, and, and really Redmond Walsh's rough patch was kind of early on in conference play, but he's ironed out those kinks. Sean Hunley the last couple of weekends have ironed out his kinks, and, and he's looked really good. He dominated Arkansas. Kevin Copps got – a, a lot of hype and deservedly so for his performance this weekend. But Sean Hunley did the same exact thing to Arkansas on Friday. The only difference is his team did not win. Uh, and, and Kirby Cannell, he also had a rough patch there in the middle of SEC play, uh, but he seems to have kind of ironed out his kinks as well. So it depends on the weekend. I know that that's kind of a cop-out answer, uh, but it's truly the case. Uh, it, it seems like the, the bullpen is starting to click at the right time. My concern is is the depth of the bullpen. I, I think your top guys are are solid and can come in and get anybody out in the country. Sean Hunley, Redmond Walsh, uh, Kirby Cannell, guys like that. But if this team is going to truly make a run at a national championship or winning the SEC tournament next weekend for the first time since 1995, guys like Camden Sewell, who has continued to improve each outing, um, Mark McLaughlin, uh, who has impressed at times this season, uh, Will Mabry, who's kind of a, a lefty specialist. He's not going to come in and pitch for two or three innings, but if, if there's runners on first and second with less than two outs and Tennessee needs a double play and there's a lefty at the plate, don't be surprised to see Will Mabry come in and get that lefty on lefty matchup and try and get a ground ball. So those names that I just mentioned, plus Jason Rackers, who's 
who's had a rough start to his Tennessee career. He was thought to be in the rotation for Tennessee last season when he signed out of junior college, but he had mono, then he had Tommy John, and so he's still trying to knock the rust off, and he's another guy that has kind of gotten better with each outing of late. So Jason Rackers, Camden Sewell, Elijah Pleasance, Will Mabry, Mark McLaughlin, if Tennessee's bullpen is going to take the next step, which will in turn allow Tennessee as a team to take the next step and, and truly make a deep postseason run, those guys are going to have to continue to, to improve and play a big role in the postseason. All right, so Tennessee's in good position here to be a top four uh, in the SEC tournament, Hoover, as long as you don't go out and you know get swept and you know some other teams kind of don't help you out there. But um, kind of lay this out for you. If Tennessee is a three-seed, if it's Tennessee is a two-seed, what's that week kind of look like? If Tennessee falls out of the top four, what's the week look like? And then second part of this question – and baseball is so funny, especially at the collegiate level. You go from the SEC tournament, you go to regionals, and then to super regionals, and the format is different. The format in super regionals could benefit Tennessee more than in regionals, but you've got to win regionals first. Kind of discuss those those different intricacies, would you please? Yeah, the the postseason in college baseball is is all over the map. It's it's truly a roller coaster. Uh, the SEC tournament. You'll you'll see some of the top schools not even really try to win the SEC tournament. Uh, Tim Corbin at Vanderbilt, Dave Van Horn at at Arkansas, uh, the Mississippi schools, um, Palmineria, LSU. You've heard them in the past not say that they 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 play to lose the SEC tournament, but they don't necessarily deploy their best weapons at the best time in, in order to to go all out to win the SEC tournament. They're more focused on making sure their pitching is set up for the regionals the next weekend. Uh, And so I'll be curious to see what Tony Vitello does in that regard, because if Tennessee is not a top four seed, then they will play on Tuesday. Right now, going into the weekend, that looks very unlikely unless Tennessee just goes out and gets swept by South Carolina. And and even with them getting swept, I think some things elsewhere would need to happen uh, for them to fall out of the top four. So it's unlikely. But if that were to happen, Tennessee would play on Tuesday. And what's weird about the SEC tournament is that Tuesday is single elimination. So if Tennessee loses on Tuesday, SEC tournament is over with. But if they win, then they would advance to Wednesday. And what's weird about the SEC tournament, Tuesday is single elimination. Wednesday turns into double elimination. Uh, so if Tennessee is to, to win on Tuesday, if they have to play on Tuesday, it goes into double elimination. But if it gets a top four seed, which is highly likely, then they're automatically in the double elimination. They'll play the winner of one of the games from the Tuesday, and uh, they're guaranteed, guaranteed to play Wednesday, Thursday. And if they were to lose on Wednesday, they'd fall into the loser's bracket. Obviously, if they win, they stay in the winner's bracket and so on and, and so forth. Regionals is is very similar, and that will be the weekend after the SEC tournament. Um, and really, the key to regionals is to win your first game. And Tennessee is going to host a regional. It's not official, but it, it'll be a crime if Tennessee does not host a, a regional. Uh, so Tennessee will, will be the one seed in its group of four. They'll play the four seed that comes to Knoxville, and that's a game Tennessee should win and it'll set them up for the rest of the weekend. You don't want to lose that game though, because then you go to the loser's bracket. You have to to win twice. And even if you make it to Sunday, then you have to beat the team that's been winning all weekend twice on Sunday to advance to, to the super regionals. You saw Tennessee lose the first game of the regional in 2019 uh, at Chapel Hill. And it really set them behind the eight ball because that's when you really have to rely on your pitching depth 
Uh, so it's really critical that you win that opening game in the regional to, to set yourself up for the rest of the weekend and don't fall behind the eight ball. But then once you get the super regional, it kind of falls more into the the regular schedule that you've seen all throughout the, the season. It, I mean, it's the same thing as a, a regular conference series. It's you versus somebody else and uh, it's best two out of three. And, and then you kind of go to the College World Series and it goes back to that uh, SEC tournament opening regional weekend so super regional i think is where tennessee would would be best at because that's not going to test your pitching depth as much um, but the sec tournament and the the regional if tennessee does not win that opening game will definitely test the the pitching depth which is my biggest concern with this team we're gonna have more coming up from ben mckee here in segment number three but uh bet online first betonline.ag we are Right in the middle of those play-in games in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference uh, NBA playoffs. And then we're, we're, we're seeing which teams are winning and moving on to square off or to be the eight seed or square off against the two seed. Uh, all that good stuff. It is, um, it's a lot of fun right now. And you're, you're catching all on, on, on betonline.ag and, and placing those totals, placing those individual game props. Anything you can possibly imagine, you can find it all at betonline.ag. Again, latest news, odds, all your sporting needs including the NBA playoffs, like I just mentioned. Major League Baseball is continuing on throughout the month of May. You have a big MMA matchup coming up later this weekend. The hockey playoffs around the NHL are getting going as well. Everything you could possibly want on any game you can possibly imagine is at Bet Online. So before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device. Check out all the grading sporting news. Sign up for the bonuses and the contesting information. I don't want you guys to sit on the sideline anymore. I want you to get in the game for your chance uh, to to gear up, make some money as the teams prep uh, for their runs throughout these playoffs we're talking about right now. Head on over to the website or use that mobile device. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You put in 300, they're going to give you 150. You put in 400, they're going to give you 200. Literally handing you money over just to play. So take advantage, put your sports knowledge to use, especially on your favorite team if you're if you're about that, and head on over to Bet Online and win you some money. Use that promo code Locked On Bet Online. It's your online sportsbook experts. Uh, back with Ben McKee here, segment number three of a Thursday show. Tennessee starting its final regular season uh, series against South Carolina on the road tonight, uh, Friday night and Saturday. Got Ben McKee on Swain Event, Rivals.com. Uh, no one covers the Tennessee baseball team harder uh, than Ben does and uh, certainly in the nose. So, Ben, let's look back again at Arkansas before we look to South Carolina. Uh, Dave Van Hoy. You've got uh, – or Horn, excuse me. You've got Tony Vitello, a mentor, mentee, a little brouhaha there at home plate after the series. A lot of fans loving that. Um, the water, supposedly, hot water turned off in, in the visitor's locker room. Man, and again, this was the series of the season in, in the SEC. You mentioned it earlier, man. The, the series was separated by one run. Um, and of course, Tennessee's heroics in, in, in game two. And, and contrary to what happened against Vanderbilt, I mean, Tennessee was Tennessee could have swept this series easily. And so, um, you know, looking back at that series and specifically with the two uh, coaches going at it there, um, you know, what can you say about just what Tony Vitello, you know, what this team means? Because I feel like this team knows it is it is right there and every pitch could be the difference. Absolutely. Uh, that That's why I walked away with the Biggest takeaway being that Tennessee can compete for a national championship. I, I believe that Arkansas is the best team in the SEC. And if you're the 
best at something in SEC baseball, then you're probably the best at that same thing in college baseball. So uh, with Arkansas being the best team in the SEC, I, I truly do believe that they are the best team in the country. They, they check all the boxes for me. Obviously, they have the coaching experience with Dave Van Horn. They have the, the starting pitching, although game – Game two, game three for them, maybe a little bit shaky. Patrick Wicklander, their ace, is the best of the best. Had only given up 10 runs going into that Friday night game. And funny enough, uh, 10 runs given up on the entire season, and Tennessee scores five in that first <laughs> inning. Funny how uh, baseball works. But It'll maybe a little you. shaky, a little uncertainty after Patrick Wicklander there for their starting rotation. But they still have talented guys. That's not the problem at Arkansas. It's just about guys establishing themselves. They had the bullpen with Kevin Copps, obviously the best reliever in college baseball this season. They have the best lineup in the country, in, in my opinion. So Tennessee went toe-to-toe with that team that I just – gushed over uh, and I, I thought Connor Pavoloni summed it up perfectly following the Sunday loss that they had the number one team on the on the ropes all three days they had the number one team worried all three days so uh, Tennessee can absolutely play with anybody and it, it was quite the series this this team does not back down from anybody Tony Vitello does not back down from anybody and and, and you see the players uh, really take after his personality and um, it's it's fun to watch, and that's why Tennessee fans love Tony Vitello so much. It's why Tennessee fans love this team so much, uh, because they they play hard, they 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 fight, they 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 claw, they scratch, and they're gonna find a way to win. So Arkansas, Vanderbilt, the Mississippi schools, they may have more talent than Tennessee from top to bottom. They have more future professional baseball players on their team from top to bottom, but where Tennessee makes up for that is by their grit and their determination. And that, that is truly special. Uh, and that, that will carry a team a long way. So I truly believe that Tennessee can play with anybody in the country. I've been uh, looking ahead to tonight and what's to come over the next couple of days. Uh, you have South Carolina top 25 team all season long. Uh, if Tennessee doesn't go in there with the right headspace, could certainly, you know, lose a couple of games. Um, so this will not be a walkover by any stretch of the imagination. What does South Carolina bring to the table? And what does Tennessee need to be prepared for? I think Tennessee just needs to, to, to be itself. I mean, I, I truly think it's as simple as that. And uh, as long as they play within themselves and, and not worry about what's on the line, uh, I think they'll be just fine because South Carolina has battled consistency all season long. They're top 20 team. They're the number 18 this week in the coaches poll. They're, they are a good baseball team. They are more than capable of winning the series over Tennessee. I would be surprised if they swept Tennessee, but they're capable of, of doing so. Uh, they're another program-rich team in the SEC that always recruits well. They always have the best of the best high school players uh, signing with them. So they have talent. They just haven't necessarily uh, come together as a team the way that, that Tennessee has. And uh, the SEC East title is up for grabs this week. It, it can be the first time. Uh, Tennessee wins the SEC East since 1997. Uh, it would also secure a top four seed in the SEC tournament, which would be huge, as we illustrated earlier. And I don't think I, it would stun me if if Tennessee isn't ready for the moment. We've seen Tennessee ready for the big stage against Vanderbilt. We've seen Tennessee ready for the big stage against South Carolina. And I asked Jordan Beck on Tuesday night after the win over Belmont if he was excited to go play for an SEC East title this weekend. And he didn't even know that Tennessee could win the SEC East this weekend. And, and then I asked Camden Sewell if any of the team was aware that 
they could win the SEC East this weekend. And he said he's he's sure a couple of them are, but it's not something that they talk about. Uh, Tony Vitello's maintained that same message that that it's not something that they talk about. Uh, and I think they're being genuine. So uh, I'm not at all worried about Tennessee uh, not being ready for the moment. And they've been good on the road this season, uh, extremely good away from home. They, they've won all five of their weekend road series, uh, including the first four SEC road series for the first time since 1994, 14-4 uh, and four on the road against SEC teams this 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 season. So as long as they come out and they play like themselves, they'll, they'll be just fine. The, the player to watch for South Carolina is Wes Clark. He is an all SEC type of player. Uh, he just absolutely mashes the baseball. Uh, I believe he leads the SEC in home runs with, with 20, has 49 RBIs on the season. Uh, he's without a doubt their best hitter. South Carolina goes as he goes. Uh, so as long as they can keep him in check and uh, continue to battle at the plate and uh, deploy their method of uh, death by a thousand cuts. And what I mean when I say that is uh, they don't have one guy. Tennessee does not have one guy like a West Clark that just carries the, the offense. Each hitter in Tennessee's lineup works the count, makes the pitcher work, uh, loads the bases, and then they strike when, when the opportunity presents itself. So as long as they maintain that thought process, uh, they'll be perfectly fine this weekend. All right, Ben, I'm going to end on some rapid-fire questions. Let's move through them really quick, just a couple. Just I want you to just throw out there a yes, no, or the name, or whatever it is. So um, here we go. Tennessee's MVP this season. Ooh. Liam Spence. Tennessee, that, that's who I'd say. Uh, SEC Player of the Year is going to be who? SEC Player of the Year. Put him on the spot here. <laughs> a month ago, I would have said Jack Leiter. And then he battled that arm injury uh, and had a couple rough outings. So, so that may may shake it. I to keep it Tennessee themed. I do think Liam Spence should be in the conversation. I still think they'll go um, with Jack Leiter. Most underrated player on Tennessee's roster. Most underrated player on Tennessee's roster. Ooh, this is a this is a tough one too. I, I want to say Jake Rucker, but he's the three hole hitter. Um, but I still think he's the most underrated. I feel like everybody talks about Evan Russell, Jordan Beck, these other guys. I'll, I'll go with Jake Rucker, even though he's the three-hole hitter. He's had a really consistent season. I don't think he's talked about enough as a hitter. Best moment from this season so far for Tennessee? Max Ferguson, walk-off homer. And will Tony Vitello be the coach of Tennessee next year? As of May 19th, I'm going yes. Boom! Right there. Let's hold him to it. We told Ryan we'd hold him to it as well. So if Tony V leaves... It's all Ben McKee's fault. Ben McKee, Rivals.com, VolQuest, and the Swain event. Great stuff, and uh, appreciate you uh, uh, fitting me in your busy schedule, my friend. <laughs> Always appreciate you, my friend. That'll do it. It's a Thursday show. It's in the books. And uh, another thanks to Ben McKee, VolQuest.com, Swain event, one of my good friends, and uh, does a great job covering the Tennessee baseball team. Uh, wanted to preview South Carolina a little bit and give you guys a uh, uh, kind of a, an appetizer of what's coming up for the Vols and Hoover for the SEC tournament, uh, this, the regionals, uh, potentially the super regionals, and, and kind of discuss how all those platforms are played differently. And so I uh, wanted to get a, a longer interview here on the show today, but it's topical, man. Um, this, this Tennessee baseball team is still a top five team in the country, and um, we'll have to see exactly how it performs to finish off the regular season and then on to 
you know, wrap up, uh, wrap up tournament play and then, and then the postseason for sure. So, uh, looking forward to that. Hey, you guys, we're about done here. So whenever we're done, head on over to the locked on today podcast, Jason Tatum, put the Boston Celtics on his back, events them all the way out of the playing round. You can get more of the sports news you need in less time with the locked on today podcast. Follow the locked on today podcast on the Odyssey app wherever you get your podcast. We will finish off the work week tomorrow for a Friday show. Don't forget Five Star Friday. Get those positive reviews in. Those slap me on a little five star. Let me know you did it. And you will get a shout out here on the show. Guys, I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.